my craziest entrepreneurship experience was I think around three, three and a half year ago probably. So um, it was a conversation with an investor. I want to give a special shout out to our Instagram page. If you have yet to follow us there, what are you waiting for? Follow our cute little coconut for great reminders, content snippets, and great vibes to perfume your day. We know you'll love it as we expand our ecosystem to journey with you every step along the way. So come on to the Financial Coconut Instagram page now. Tag us whenever you see some interesting stuff. Help grow our community together. Link is in the description below. Everyone talks about China as if it is a sure win. But is it actually the case? Bigger markets mint more money? Everyone spends a dollar and you become a billionaire? If you have yet to set foot on the land and hustle your way through, you will never know how crazy things are. They quite literally have a different operating system. So forget what you knew about bringing your businesses to China. Faith, co-founder of 8XP, a leader in smart retail solutions which partnered with many great brands such as Shanghai Fashion Week, felt miserably when she brought her first startup over. She then worked for Alibaba, took time to recalibrate her understanding, made some solid connections and built her way from the heart of innovation in China. But before that, when she first landed in China, some potential investors totally shook her world, making her question if there were ethics here at all. Welcome back. To entrepreneur, shit show. So we asked him that, you know, so uh, can you give us an example? You know, what are the ways? You know, that's why we need you, right? That's why we always say, that's why we need you to give us advice because we can only think about this. You know, we don't know other methods. So he basically said that, well, you know, so one example I can share with you is that one of the companies that I have known that is in the similar field, uh, they basically take some special photo of the influencer and um, make sure that they won't be heading to some other place, which is threaten them in a way. So, you know, that special photos that he referring to so in like, detail. Like, like nudes. La. Yeah, in a way, la, yeah. Oh. I, I think, I don't, although he said that, I mean, naked photo in a way, but I think, uh, I think that's just it. La, because I saw similar news before as well. So that's why that moment I was um, a bit shocked. So I'm I shocked, was... I'm shocked. Yeah. So <laughs> the first thing that I react... Um, I didn't think too much. I just asked that, isn't that illegal? Mm. You know, that's the first thing that I say. Mm-hmm. Singaporean. Yeah, very Singaporean. That's why my investor keeps saying that you, you are very Singaporean. <laughs> no. uh, so that was, uh, that was when he responded and said that, uh, I didn't feel very offended after this is what he said. He said that he, he feels that we are very uh, naive and young in a way. Although I feel, don't feel that I'm very young. But he said that I'm very young. Then he said that uh, he don't know how fierce this comp- competition is. He's been, he, after that, he said quite for long, like, he said quite a long time that he basically, the reason why he wanted to uh, tell us this is not because he wants us to do it. He's just letting us know that um, he feels that after the conversation, he liked our team, he liked our product, but he feels that in terms of the business competition side, right, we didn't have a clarity of how fierce it is. So he was trying to justify that there's people that's willing to go to this extent. Of course, uh, they say that this is mere founder. Uh, the, the company that did that is a mere found, founding team. So that was, after that, we went for a tea break and I was telling my co-founder and say that, 
Mm, I ask myself, if that is the extent that we are going for, and as a woman, I think that we we'll probably will never go into that era for sure if we know that the competition and all these things like this. But after that, um, uh, we just like didn't go with this investor lah, because we feel that although he said this way, but it's also like a warning and a prep for you that even though we don't need to go that way, but you must be prepared that when they invest money, you need to listen to their advice and whatever that would benefit the company the most. So they're not suggesting you to do that? They are not really. Of course, who will be on the paper and say yeah, that? Yeah. Hey, maybe, they invest, <laughs> maybe they invest, they'll say, you know, maybe you can consider a yeah, like gray yeah. area. Like yeah, this. Yeah. We don't know. Mm. What I feel is that uh, when we are not having any agreement or investment, usually people won't really tell you the truth. Fair. But they will hint you something, right? Yeah. It's for your own um, perspective and, you know, intake on whether what they are saying is truth and mm. what are they hinting you in a way. Yeah, and, right? that, and that was your experience in China. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. True. You, know, you never freak out, lah. Yeah, just like go, just right. when I go there, lah. Right. So you, when you just went there, that was your first major wild experience. Yes, and, and I remember clearly it was like a, in a Starbucks, you know, then in a Starbucks. Yeah, in a Starbucks, we were meeting in Starbucks. Oh my goodness. Okay. And then why, why do you why do you stay on like? In fact, when I first go there, I didn't really like China. Like majority of the you know okay not really that not majority <laughs> so I didn't really have a good impression of China that's what I would say mm. because my my dad has been um ha- having business in China for very long so he's uh, our family is very um uh, our uh, our mother tongue is basically Mandarin so it's mm. not uh, English so what happened is that I, it's not that I don't like China it's just that I don't understand China because if you look at Facebook and the media they always say. You know, I always see news, right? News feed, right? That from Facebook and say, oh, this random guy is like suicide. Uh, it's gonna jump the bridge. You know, everyone start taking a chair and sit and and looking at him jumping the bridge. That is my perception of China. That they are very scary. You know, they don't give a shit about human being things like that. But when I go there, I realize that wow, the media outside is so effing biased. Mm. It's mm. so biased that I'm shocked. When I go there. Uh, for four to five years, right? Actually, five years now. I know uh, some of the best friends and the people that I love the most at that. Because I feel that, um, you know, China, they, are, they, are, they have a very special culture in a way. And I'm very obsessed and I love the culture. So I feel that they are misunderstood. Like I was talking about some of the mentor that I have was misunderstood by other people. Mm. So that is when I have a lot of empathy and I jump in to really understand a lot. So last time I used to share with people, right, is that some Singaporean when they go there, they will stay for 15, 20, 30 years. Some go there one year, come back already. Mm. It's some extreme. Cannot, some, there won't be in the middle. Yeah. yeah. So I'm more leaning towards that. Um, mm. I'm gonna be there for 15, years, 20 15 years. years. Yeah, because I already told my parents that I'm looking for a place, you know. I have a, I have an apartment in Shanghai. Then I have a, uh, because of my family, mm. we have relative in Fuzhou, so we have a place over there as well. Yes. So I really intend to go there for very long. Just come back here often. Of course, in Shanghai, you have a You can um, stay there. No. <laughs> You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. lifestyle what, is still quite fun. Yeah, but what do you think is the difference? I mean, you said that mm. in China, there's a very big difference. Mm. I mean, it's so much so that you can't even call it a difference. It's yes. just like another world. Mm. How is that like from Singapore some, to Shanghai? Um, some common example that I'll give other people, right, is that uh, because a lot of um, Singaporean, they have trips. Like, for example, I hosted, uh, we hosted the SMU team before, then NUS, then uh, uh, EDB, ESG, and all these people, they go there. We host them before. You know, something very hap- very funny happened when we are in uh, W Hotel. So we we're having drinks. So W Hotel, they have a, in Shanghai, the band, they have a place whereby they do uh, art exhibition. So 
uh, there's nothing at the door. So what happened is that typically Singaporean will go there and look at the door and say, hey, can, can I go and take a photo over there? Then it says nothing. So they wouldn't dare to push in. But Chinese, if there's nothing pasted on the wall, they will just open. The difference that I see, right, is in China, right, uh, if there's no rules, anything is possible. In Singapore mindset, if there's no rules, we need to be careful because we might break rules that we don't know. Mm. First, the people that I mix with is very different. Um, we don't talk about open-minded because open-minded is a very subjective thing. But the the, the people that I work with in, in, in China, right, they are very, what I say by, uh, for example, we talk about risk adverse, right? Some people in Singapore, for example. But China, they dare to take risks a lot. So when it happens, right, if they like you, business is very fast. Singapore, there's a lot of red tape. If you want to work with mid to high, uh, for smaller SME, the, a lot of them rely on grants yeah. and support from the government, which and is it's a, a lot. It's a, they're just trickling down from MNC's business. Yeah. So, right. um, you know, sometimes I don't really like to share this thing because it's my personal opinion. That is why I don't really want to, uh, you know, I want to go to China. That's one of the reasons. Um, because I'll give you a quick example. As a business person, uh, Ma Yun always says something. Jack Ma always says something. is Wei Kuai Bu Po. Wei Kuai Bu Po, meaning that speed is everything. I'll give you an example. Uh, our government grant is awesome, right? But if, let's say, it delay your cash flow by seven months, the money that we have right now is the different money that we're going to have for two months later, seven months later, one year later. That's why it's always about speed of time. So the thing I feel, right, is that a lot of things is not within control in Singapore when I'm having business over here. If I take grant, I need to plan my cash flow that this thing is coming one year later. I need the money now to grow. Do I go and get a loan or get an investor? Then this thing, I'll say that it comes back eight months later. What if eight months later when I grow so fast that um, I break? It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't need that man, money mm. anymore. Yeah, it's always good to have like, on my account, you mm, know, things mm, like that. Mm, but I'm not doing a small business. So then if you want to go for aggressive business, sure, you know, um, then you need to basically know your game. For example, China and Indonesia is very similar. Connection and uh, the network is very important. Singapore, somewhat, but you must understand the rules. One of the article that um, that basically uh, I was in the uh, I was basically in one of the coverage right is basically they were talking about uh, how to survive in China, and I basically said that you play their rules, you first understand their rules, play their rules, then whatever that you want to do, of course don't break the rule lah. You can change the rule, but only when you have a certain influence. That's when you can change the rule. So the thing is that in Singapore, right? You think about it. There is a lot of process. Uh, for company, you need to go to their, um, you know, vendor list, application and all this thing. There's a lot of procedure, that's what we call. Mm. There is no grey area at all. But if you're in China or Indonesia or some other place, there is grey area. Mm. Of course, we are talking about grey area, not in terms of like legal, you know, and all this thing. It's about the company is not that strict and the boss can bypass everything. So I'll give you an example. I work with a real estate group. We know the, uh, uh, the daughter of the, of, the, of the group owner. Basically, they can just open a green light. Things that usually done within six months, done within one month. Mm. Then that's it. There's nothing wrong about it. It's their own company. We are not doing anything illegal. It's just that they feel that they want this thing to happen before Christmas, right? Mm. Then you cannot delay. Then he just pulls it through. It's a win-win situation. But it's very rare that it happens in Singapore. And for a lot of tech companies, they think that Singapore is like a test bed. 
because fundamentally the market is too small. Mm. Yeah. For people that are trying to, you know, thrive in China, mm. what are some things that they need to know? Uh, one, Must do one. The first thing that my <laughs> very funny my my uh, my mentor when we are going for China, you know, the the before that one week, we we basically go and meet him and have a. <laughs> have a have a lunch. I remember he was very like suddenly become very emotional like that. Then well, I joke with him. Why is so So I was telling him. Then he was like, he was like, um, he say, you know, you girls, you girls are girls. Remember to be careful. You know, don't go to a hotel with other people. And he was talking about this. Thing. Very funny. I was like, well, you very funny. Suddenly I'm very scared. You know, I was telling him. You know, if anything happened, can I find you? Then he said, yeah, yeah. Anything happened, just find me. I still have a lot of connection in China. So the first thing that he told me that always. Um, embed in the back of my mind is that if you go to that country okay first rule if you want to do business in that place go to that place you want to do business in US US you don't say that you station here go to US you want to do in China go China you want to go to, do, do Indonesia go Indonesia so he said that that's the first thing second thing you become them okay becoming them right is also very subjective right it didn't say that you must like become totally and they are you know, uh, you know the worst side of things or things like that lah, because every human being have their bad and good, right? So what he meant by becoming them in the way that they do business. So, you know what we call by there's a lot of su yu, shangye su yu. Shangye su yu meaning that, you know, you're... Linguistics. Yes, right? then you are like an insider. You know this. Mm. So, uh, for example, like, uh, just an example, lah. if we want to do business today, you, you talk about your Chinese, right? It's like very potato style, for example. <laughs> They're very westernized styles. <laughs> then... Like for uh, for example, right? Uh, we won't be using so many words that we see. It's all from Jianghu experience. So we will say, for example, like, like I said, I will tell you, 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 I will tell Maybe uh, uh, yeah. Then they will think that we are Chinese So that is the thing That is the first thing that they will feel That you are the same kind of people Which is extremely important So if you go there You know, you have that kind of attitude That you That's rule number one, no So that's the first thing Second thing is that um, You need to embrace the culture And love it a lot uh, in terms of Chinese, right? Well, uh, I know a lot more than um, a lot of my Chinese friends that's around me. Then they always joke that, oh my god, you're mm. They were joking about that because I read a lot of Chinese books, so I can give you an example. Um, I read Yi Jing, so Yi Jing is basically the the you know Zhou Yi, uh, and basically I read uh, Confucian, Lao Zi, Dao uh, Dao De Jing. So I read a lot of the Chinese traditional thing. That is why uh, when I go to uh, speak and sharing, right, I can put a lot of Chinese wisdom into things that I say. Then that makes it very interesting for the Chinese because right now, this is what we call by um, all this traditional Chinese uh, teaching, right? A lot of Chinese also never pick it up anymore already. Yes. That's why they will feel that, wow, an outsider, in a way, love China more than us. 
So that's very interesting point. And they will be like, oh, you're very Then all these older people will be like, oh, you're really very good. You're really very good. will have this kind of approach. Of course, I didn't do it because uh, I'm trying to fake an identity. Because fundamentally, I like it. Mm. So what I feel, right, is that people that really want to do business in China, if they don't like China, they don't want Mm. There's no purpose. It's not about market size. Yeah, it's not about it's market not about size growth. because we will not make it mm. for for mm. sure. Of course, if you have a good co-founder that's local, uh, then they can mingle very well and all this thing. Then go ahead. Mm. You know, mm. it it's not making any sense if you, you know, like a lot of people that I talk to will be like, oh, I love US. You know, I always travel. I don't go to China. I go to US and Europe. You know, a lot of people say that. Then, uh, but it's very hard to do business over there. Hey, China seems to have a lot of opportunity there. You know, can you be my partner and do it in China? No, I don't accept this kind of partner. Mm. Go to US. Mm-hmm. You know? If you love that, yeah, go ahead. Go there. Go there and money. Okay. Yeah, that's my attitude because I don't. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that I believe, right, is basically uh, the alignment and the coherence that you are looking for in life. Meaning that this is what we call by Zhixing He Yi. Zhixing He Yi is my life philosophy whereby the, the way that you think, the way that you feel, and the way that you act, there is alignment. So, you don't want to but you do another thing. You will mm. never be successful. Mm. Because that is your full concentration level in things that you do. It's not about success, it's just so painful, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then if you're okay with that, then fine. Yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> but, but then from Singapore, how did you end up in China at first? Um, because my co-founder wanted to go. Mm. But then, you guys were already doing something here. Yes, right? correct. Was, so you were doing pretty well. Here. Yes, yes. Uh, I won't say that we are doing super well, but in terms of the milestone that we want to hit, we hit it. So basically, as an e-commerce platform, two things that's more uh, actually the first thing that's more most important thing is basically transaction, which is GMV, mm. right? So the second thing would be how many users that you have, right? So that's the main thing. Um, at that time, we uh, our e-commerce company, which is called Fashery, uh, we work with um, um, W Hotel. We work with a lot of like uh, Instagram blogger, like I mentioned to you. Then uh, there was like Nelly Lim, uh, Melissa Cole, and a lot of other people. Then we have events with them. Then the thing is that we realized that uh, the transaction and conversion is too small because fundamentally it's not with the influencer problem, but really with the whole landscape in Singapore, whereby the things that we are selling is too niche. The things that we're selling is basically um, 70, actually 100 USD and above mm. to around maybe 1,000 USD. So that is when we are more like a net, uh, net apporté, far-fetched model. So the thing about it in Singapore is a bit hard. Uh, you know, one far-fetched. thing that we tell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, that's whoa. good. Whoa, okay. whoa, whoa. You got it, got it, got it. Yeah, so exactly so you, you know when we did a uh, research right we did a uh, user research with uh, our exact target audience that is our user um, women of our target audience they are not that fancy in looking for clothes you think about it in Orchard you know I'm not trying to basically talk about the bad side about Singaporean it's just a mm-hmm. fact we, work, we wear slippers to Orchard true. you know what I'm saying right yeah. it's just our way of living yeah. we are not that in terms of phys- uh, physical and outlook vanity in terms of that we are not um that into this thing. That's the first thing. Second thing is that majority of the women at our age group, if they get married, they decrease their own personal spending by hugely. Then where can I get money from them? Logically speaking. So that is when I realized that, ah, you know, test page is okay. Our app looks nice. We are on featured on app store, things like that. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Then that's end. So our investor told us that either you guys choose to go to Indonesia or China, which makes sense. Because for Indonesia and China, you can see people doing all this like hair, you know, all this like vanity stuff a lot. China as well. So that's why um, that is when we were thinking that uh, Indonesia will be hard. Because uh, 
uh, we don't really know how to speak the uh, the, mm. the local language and not then, as passionate about it not as uh, passionate about in a way English. yes mm. because too close ma, you understand mm. them right yeah, China yeah. still can explore a bit Indonesia you go like uh, travel often maybe like for or some friends Indonesian Chinese over there you know how it works then you know their fashion sense a bit different from the fashion sense that you imagine, you know, mm-hmm. it's just different, mm-hmm. culture different. Yeah. It's not about I'll, critic, it's just a recognition exactly. that yes, are correct. different. Okay. It's, I feel that one th- one very important thing about uh, being a, um, a business owner and someone that wants to do something, right? you must have full clarity. There's no judgmental. It's just that you know where you are. Mm-hmm. You know your place. Mm-hmm. The kind of things that we sell is also not very relevant for their uh, culture over there. So that's why then we need to be you know, a bit considerate for the Muslim culture over there. You know what I'm saying, right? Then that's very difficult. We need to change our uh, model and our whole, um, you know, content marketing. So that's when we're thinking that, ah, yeah, maybe China easier lah. Since that we can speak very well Mandarin, you know, we went there a few times and things like that. Then at that time, we were basically uh, got connected with the Suzhou Gongye Yenqi, which is the Suzhou mm. place. Yeah, industrial park. Yes, mm. then, yeah, that one... It's another story then. <laughs> a lot of Sorry, stories. Forever don't want to talk about. So that's what happened. So we decided to go there because mm. we feel that when we weigh our opportunity, our localization complexity and the connection that we have, China seems to make more sense. Mm. Yeah. But then when you brought this baby over to China, yes. you go through all those stuff. It yeah. didn't work in the end. Yes, go through all this drama. You know, like yeah. we always say, we have a certain runway. You know, we were projecting... Uh, a year runway, 12 months, we think that not bad, like, you know, because in Singapore it's like very chill, 12 months, like things like that, you probably survive, things like that. So uh, in less than uh, half a year, we basically spent our cash. Then uh, we realized that it was like, uh, like what I always tell other people is that it's another planet. It's not even another country. Hey guys, I know many of you are looking to invest in properties but struggle to get quality content about it. I mean, many of these property content online are tainted with sales bias and we rarely hear from real investors themselves. So in this new show I will be hosting with co-host Troy, we will dive deep with seasoned professionals, casual investors and experts to help you get a head start on your property investing journey. So join us on the Coconut Avenue today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere you consume your content. This will be a seasonal podcast with episodes airing every Wednesday Stay. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the Coconut Avenue now. Details at thefinancialcoconut.com slash podcast. Uh, give you a quick example. We were on Apple App Store and uh, Android Play Store, then Samsung Store in Singapore. When I go there, I realized that their Android Store has no Google. <laughs> That was a feel. Oh, okay. That was like mm, that's interesting. You know, I did. Uh, you know, as a maybe I feel as a good CPO, I didn't do research. I didn't understand China. Then after that, uh, there is basically a lot of store. Mm. There's Oppo. There's blah 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 yes, blah. Yes, you know, yes, there's yes. really a lot. No, no joke. Then I was like, oh my god. That you know, when there's a lot of store, you know what is scary? That means that you cannot have a centralized um, a place whereby you do uh, just one. Uh, marketing for your CPI cost per install right mm. so you need to have 10 that means that you have a 10, 10 channel strategy and you need to find out your exact target audience where they are then you just put on that thing if, if that thing doesn't work then sorry no mm. money for the next, the next channel thing. already mm. yeah then it's not possible that everything you put like $10 $10 $10 and all this thing then that mm. means that you don't have a strategy okay that was the one thing that I realized second thing 
people don't really download app. Oh yeah, yeah. everything's WeChat. WeChat mini app uh. was rising at that time. Mm. Then a lot of store open Tmall and all yes, this. You think yes, about yes, it, yes, even yes. Zara and all this thing, they all don't have their own store, but everyone have Tmall. Mm, mm. So then, okay, shit. The commerce is so advanced in China. Instead, a brand that go in, they'll go JD, go yes. Tmall, or John go Wei Ping Hui, yeah. things yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Then that was when I realized that shit. Oh my God, Wei Ping Hui, I so long never hear this uh, term. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Still, still okay. Yeah, yeah. They are still there. Yeah, still there, huh? Yeah, still, still there, there, still there. Last time they will put the brochure at the leaf. Uh, yeah, yeah, correct, correct, correct. No yes. more. <laughs> so that's when I realized that, wow, like China is totally another. You know, it's like I go back to zero. Mm. I thought that I could have bring something over to do a start, right? Then, you know, it's like an example that I have a, I have a chair and then I can stand up to see what's behind the wall. I bring the chair over then realize that the chair cannot use. <laughs> then I cannot see what's over the wall. Uh, then I'm uh. like standing, I said, I'm still an outsider mm. at that time. Mm. So after that, um, uh, the, the, the founding team have a break. You know, like what they always say, the founder have storming all these like different stages and all this thing. It's very common. I think that uh, the very interesting thing about starting a company, right, is that, that everything is a lesson. And there's a, actually a lot more ugly thing than happy thing. The fact remains. Because it's a very tough lesson that you're going to learn. Because everyone is putting all their time and, and their life on something that they believe 100% will work and devoted all their time in it. That's why you can see the San Francisco, the suicide rate and all this is so high for startup people. Because it's their life. Usually they have nothing but their work. So uh, our co-founder have a break. It's a very big break. Then, uh, you know, uh, that time, um, uh, the co-founder is basically living in one apartment because, you know, you become a boot camp, it's like an yeah, army. Yeah. It's very common. You cannot be like, oh, you want to live there, we'll live here. You know, that's why you work 24 hours together. Then break, I go out to basically let, uh, I borrow money from my mom to go and uh, rent an apartment outside because I just want to be fucking get out of this space and have, you know, because I, I think at that time, I'm blaming my co-founder a lot because I feel that it's like, you know, I found a very good excuse that I'm a follower, mm. but I don't have a good leader. You, you know, I, I blame I it on my team. But I don't think that after I grow up, you know, after mm. that period of time, I feel that uh, I didn't, um, I misunderstood the follower role. If I feel that there's something wrong, I should also voice out. And not don't voice out at the end, you blame your co-founder. You know what I'm trying to say, yeah, right? I know. So that's when I realized that I didn't do well as well. And I have a, so there was a time whereby um, I keep drinking, getting drunk, and going out with all my friends. This is what we call by in Shanghai, 九池肉林. 九池肉林 is you are like uh, drunk yourself in the pool, in the swimming pool with okay, alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, I, I basically had that time for around two months. Then uh, I don't usually drink. I don't drink any uh, alcohol when I was in Singapore. I only go there to drink because I feel very stressed. That was the, you know, my peak. I was very stressed. Then basically after that, um, there was a turning point which I met up with some friend that joined Alibaba as a Singaporean. So then she basically said, hey, Hunter is interested to talk to you. You know, do you want to talk? Then I was saying that, you know, I don't mind meeting more people and talk about it. Then that is when I was exploring opportunity that I was like, I probably need to go for some training. So that is when I received three offers. One from Farfetch. Well, very attractive. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was trying to learn from them. Farfetch, um, um, Shang- I think Shanghai or Beijing, I can't remember. Then another is basically Alibaba Group. Um, uh, uh, they never share detail one, very weird. They never share what project we'll be working on. So the third I remember was, I think, Airbnb. Yeah, so it's all experience related. You can see that all these companies are experience yeah. driven, uh, especially Airbnb. I was very at- interested in Airbnb 
But I was thinking that Airbnb didn't really have a, I did a research, they don't really have a good presence in China due to Mingsu uh, law. Yes, yes. Yeah. So a lot of other very mafan, very mafan. foreigner cannot even stay in the Mingsu. Exactly. Things right. like that. You know, very uh, um, a, a lot of issue like, because you need yeah. to have the registration, things yes, like that. Yes, yes. Then I was like, oh, better not. Lah, you know. Mm. Then far fetched, then I look at it again. I was thinking that yeah, although they, are, I, I didn't, I think I didn't come to China to join Farfetch. <laughs> you know, then I, I might as well go to the US Farfetch. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah, right? I know, I know. Then I was thinking, although I don't, actually, I was my third choice. Mm. Then I was like, hmm, I really think, think, think. I think at that time I was very depressed. Then that was when I think, oh yeah, Faith, you need to fucking wake up. You need to be an adult. Go and drill yourself. Because a lot of people tell me very scary things about China company culture. I didn't know. Then that's when then was like, I just joined Alibaba. I even I didn't even compare the package and all this thing. They have a range lah. They say they can offer and things like that. Then it, at the end, uh, I choose to go with Alibaba. But at that choice, when I choose to, I was still I still haven't do the four round interview. We have four round interview for Alibaba. So that was very interesting because. Because I didn't really want it, mm. I was very ca- a bit casual. casual <laughs> la. I didn't really prepare, you know. <laughs> then I was very happy because after the four round, which is very, it, which takes uh six months. Six months, four rounds. Yes. Okay. Because I was still doing my own stuff, so it's okay lah. Mm. Then uh, surviving okay because my mom gave me some money, things like that. So uh, four round, then uh, very interesting four round. Then after that, then then that's when I finally joined. Then the HR, I don't know whether she was joking with me or anything. She said that. Uh, for all the round, I have very high score because they have a scoring system. Mm. After that, I joined, I saw a scoring system. La. So she said that, you know, I have very high score. Then uh, then we were talking about the package. Then that's when I joined, you know. Yeah, so that's when I joined Alibaba. So so you went through all that, that shit, right? Then you joined Alibaba. Yes. So after that, you graduated graduated from Alibaba. Yes. And you do your own company. Yes, right? So do you feel the, the difference before you join, how you see things after you join? There is a very different. I feel that I, I that was my life-changing moment. Um, from from working from for someone, right? Yes. Yeah, it's so, interesting. Yeah, so, I, so it's nothing. You know, a lot of people is very funny that they don't understand is that uh, they are very judgmental and they don't understand. I'll give you an example. I love Alibaba. That was my best time of my life over there. One year, uh, because I worked very long, long hour, and mm. every moment, the, yeah, nine nine six. Then I, I tell other people right is that, you know, don't compare your five years working experience with me when I chat with my friend, because five year you are working on the same thing, but when I'm working there for a year, I I work very very hard and. I never even look at my phone and all this thing. Every night we have meetings and all this thing. I love everyone over there because it's like a full, very well-funded startup. Mm. You know what I'm saying, right? I, I go. I get everyone, it. Everything can try. Everything yes, exactly. Can go. Then yeah. everyone is very open-minded. You know, you're so excited. You're not working. You know, it's like I was very excited. There was one time whereby we are in in Bangkok. Then we were we were launching something. Then everyone wants to go and eat. Then we were discussing about what we eat. Then suddenly someone have a call and say, "Hey." The backend team come back, you know, there's some server issue, we need to fix it right now. Then the backend team will be like, hey, you guys uh, go ahead, you know, we'll join you later, go and order some food and eat first, we'll come back later. You know what everyone do? We say that, no, we go back together. At, you know, a lot of people, you know, the front end, the UX, the designer, and all this, we, we go back together. The, the UX researcher also, we go back together. It's so cool, you know, it's like a army style. Mm, then, I mean, yeah. I think, uh, I like this style. La. Maybe some other people don't like it. La. They mm. would think that it's like a uh, work-life balance, things like that. But I didn't go for work-life balance when I want to join Alibaba. Mm. I want to learn. 
they give me a full opportunity to learn and give me the power to do what I think that is right. You know, that is why that was a life changing because I feel that the first thing that everyone asked me, you know, can you share about your experience in Alibaba? The, there's, there's only one word. The awakened point was that I was a bit egoistic and think that I'm very smart. Yeah, I think that I'm smart still now. But the thing is that, you know what's the most different thing? Is that the people that are smarter than you and have wisdom and have EQ and have IQ than you is 100% more hardworking than you in Alibaba. So what's your excuse? So that's when I realized that um, people need to work together. And after that, um, um, Fuse was created when I was in Alibaba. So uh, my co-founder created it first. I joined back for only half a year after that. I still go in as a follower in a way, doing my job. But I took out the opportunity to be more um, team player in a way. But the complication was that we have four co-founders, which is a lot in a way. And uh, investor basically told us previously is that they don't recommend having four co-founders due to having the voting right being uh, balanced off. Mm. That's their perspective, which I think is fair. Sometimes it's very funny. When I was younger, I was thinking that I don't give a shit. You know, what you're saying is crap. You know, we love each other. We will never have this scenario. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, really. You're like we're we're great yeah, team. We you know? are all here together. Right here. Yeah, we came so then far. Then I didn't realize that the you know the only thing I can say about it is that I realized that uh, they got data lah. Uh, yeah. For lack of better put it, the investors have data. Yeah, no, they have data. Yeah. You are right. They know. They know. There are They've a list of things enough. that they will not invest in, yes. like couple, uh, marriage couple, and things yes, like that. It's yes. all red light. They have data. They have data. Mm. So that is when I realized the fact of it. Right, it's not that you think that you are very smart. It's that there's. It's actually a probability game, and you are testing the human um, weakness. So I give you an example. What I re- realized, right, is that a lot of people like like us, for example, that's very devoted to do things, right. Mm. A lot of companies face this issue. One of the very funny news that I saw in, in China that time was that there's a three billion uh, uh valuated company that's doing uh um what we call Uren Okay, driverless car. Yes, correct. Mm. So they got a lot of money, three co-founder, then uh they were very good buddies, then they work hard together, then the valuation is so high right now. Then just one just one week, right, the company crashed. Because the three co-founder fall out, they wanted to kick each other out so they can get more shares. Because it's by vesting, ma. Mm-hmm. Then they think that the the CTO and all this thing will not be able to do so much anymore. That's why they want to kick him out and get new people in. So that was what happened. Then that was when I was looking at those news. I was like, oh, yeah, they should select people carefully and all this thing. Then that's when I realized that money will really change a person. So that is why I mean detail I cannot really share la, because there's some stuff. Yeah. But that was something that I realized, and that is why after that. Uh, in terms of one thing that changed me the most was that looking at co-founder, right, you really need to be um, talking with the person at a very clear exit. So I'll give you an example. If I ask you for to be a co-founder, we'll talk about how many rounds that we're going to raise, exit strategy, what it is. Then by that time, if you still remain as a vesting for four years, you'll probably get, for example, 15% of share, which valued at, for example, 20 million. If you're fine with it, then okay. You know, I think if the, at the start there's a certain kind of agreement like this, that would be better. But you realize that if you never talk about this, right, your, your partner will come back and say, you know, I don't want. I want 50 million. Then that would be like, oh shit, you're doing it halfway already. You do all this PR already. Then how? So I realized that aligned interest is extremely important. Of course, there's still things that will turn out not right. For example, maybe you're 20 million, then someone want to buy your share and say, give you 30 million. This is also common. 
mm. when your company become bigger. But that is basically based on your ethic. Mm. Then it's how you see your co-founder. Then if you see your co-founder that will do this kind of thing, it's so greedy, then no choice. Or maybe that's just fate. Mm. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that can prevent this thing from happening. Having very clear founders agreement, shareholder agreement, and make sure that there's one person that must be you that can protect the interests of the company. That is why the investor usually invests in that one person. So uh, after that, I realized, right, there's actually, there's only one way. That means that it's either your way or my way. You, you know what I'm saying, right? Because that will always work. Because what I realized that in startup, a lot of beer field is that you are too, um, how do I say? Nitoa. Mm. You know you why, 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 why I talk about yes, why I talk about fast right is because there's no bad decision. There's only slow decision or you mm. don't make decision. So don't make decision the worst. Yeah, the worst. The worst. Which right. I saw Everybody a lot of people don't make decision. I'm like like constipation, like yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? I'm like, yeah. yeah. So these are all the things that I learned when I was in Alibaba because I saw the repercussion. Mm. It's bigger impact than not making a decision. Mm. Although you make a wrong decision some people will blame you and not saying some people will need to be responsible for it but at least things will move yeah. because you never see that it will implicate so many people yes which yeah. is very scary yeah that's why having a broad picture having clear understanding is very important yeah i think a lot of people need to recognize you're not operating in a vacuum uh. your competitors are around the round exactly <laughs> they're around the corner yeah, so. then they're waiting uh, to eat you out yeah, and things like yeah, that it's like so. oh, this guy is so stupid you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah at least when you try something at least something gets going yes. you know right or wrong then we move on you need to keep moving yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's cool man and you know i think you share a lot a lot of good juice <laughs> And there's a lot of stories. Yeah. Right? I'm, sh- I'm sure we can go on and on and on for hours, but I just want to, you know, ask you, like, why after all these things, you know, you still do what you do? Mm. So it's very funny. Recently, I also have my, have this conversation with, uh, with my startup friend that he bas- she basically said that, you know, we were reflecting again because right now our friend is all talking about, you know, life goal, you know, what do you want, things like that. So very similar to her. My friend keeps saying that, you know, Faith, you are actually a very simple person. Then I said, yeah, simple in a way that I just look at one thing. So the things that keep me going is that every day I wake up, that's the first thing that I thought of. Some people might wake up and think that, oh no, what should I eat today? You know, there's no good or bad, you know? Then that's why they will be thinking that I must eat this thing this week or I must eat this thing today, right? So maybe some people think that, oh, you know, I'm worried about my baby, my kids. First thing I wake up, I need to check my kids if, if they are okay, right? That's it. This is basically it is. For me, I wake up every day and thinking that, okay, what should I do for AXP today? You know, uh, what's my top priority today? You know, we always talk about the, you know, do everything in 25 minutes and things like that. You are trying to milk your time every day to make sure that you do the right thing for today because tomorrow will be another case, you know. So that is why usually what I do is that uh, the first thing that I wake up, I will think about, okay, what do I do today? Then I prioritize. So this is the most simple thing that usually I explain to other that what is keep me going is because when you keep thinking about it, it is not obsession. What I recall that is basically, that is your life purpose. You just feel that doing this is something that you want to do. I'm not talking about product development and all this thing. I'm talking about you have an end vision. My end vision is basically for the te- past 10 years, I've experienced in retail tech and e-commerce and understand this much and I can design a user experience. I feel that the future of malls and the future of space is going to change. Oh, yeah. You know, that is why since that I'm still young, I feel that until I'm 60, 70 years old, I'm still, you know, I'm going to impact 
the outlook and the physical look of how stores should look in the future. And I still have 30 or 40 years to go, which is so exciting. You know, because I think life as a whole. I don't believe in, um, you know, um, what we call by like maybe growing old and all this thing. I think knowledge and wisdom is power. So I never thought of like when I need to retire or when it is enough for me. I think that for my life goal, I want to basically be useful and do something that can impact a few, you know. Of course, based on whatever that happened in the past and the fate, it seems to be like in the retail and tech scene. Because I cannot be... So in Chinese, we call 三十而立,四十而不惑。三十而立 meaning that in 30 years old, your best is that you have a skill set which is you build across the year. And 40 years old is that you have an unwavering faith that this is going to be something that you bring to your tomb or your coffin and things like that. So I'm very fortunate that I feel that when I'm 30 years old, I already have a very hard skill set whereby I can call myself an expert in that field. And until 40 years old, I probably have something that I'll stick with until the very end of my life. So that is my goal, which right now I'm at the stage whereby I'm building something that I hope that will be Yeah, so that is basically what I'm doing. Thanks for listening all the way and I know you've picked up a lot, I've picked up a lot, so much so that we are we're thinking of cutting into two. <laughs> but yes, a lot of good juice from her but I think something that really rang with me was about the whole like you really gotta be authentic about why you are doing what you do and it's a lot, it's beyond monetary value I think a lot, for a lot of people that are trying to make more money I think entrepreneurship may not be the best way for you right? it is true that if you want so someone asked me hey, how, how, how do I become a billionaire firstly I'm not a billionaire I cannot give you the exact advice but based on statisticals right? I think if you want to be a billionaire then you really have to start your own venture there's no other way out Right, it's um. If you start, if you do your, if you do your work, you do your thing, then maybe you can be a millionaire, but probably not a billionaire. But for a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, uh, together with faith and a lot of other people, uh, the general idea is that you really gotta pursue what you believe in, right? And but she puts it in a very vivid fashion, right? So that's one thing that I thought was was great. And of course, she shared about China, right? Like how work in China is very different, relatively, um, for like a better way to put it, a bit more ruthless, it's very different, you know, more like Singaporean, Singapore a bit sheltered, lah, huh? so over there, things are different, actually, all around the world, things are very different, and being able to localize, and being able, being able to go out there, and challenge, and understand people's way of business, people's way of life, um, I think that those are very, very honest feedback, right, and yeah, generally, I think, I think that's good, and since you listen all the way, listen to my review, uh, Faith has something extra to share with you. So I just, one last question. I think you share a lot, a lot of good juice, but if someone wants to participate and be an entrepreneur, mm. you know, what is that one more advice you would give them? Mm, a very practical advice, nothing chicken soup style, is that <laughs> use a mind map. Mm-hmm. Use a mind map. Mm. Use a mind map and start um, reflecting on your life and everything that happened to you so far and the end what is the exact vision that you see close your eyes for probably you know a few minutes and look at how you're going to imagine yourself to drink a cup of orange juice and look at what kind of paper or your screen is reflecting what thing when you are maybe at the age of 50 then map back and look at the this is what we call by connecting the dots 
you know, what is it that you're working on from last time till now? What are your passion? You know, what are your interests? What are the things that you are obsessed? What are the things that the moment someone talk about, you're very interested? Then you map where you are right now, then map towards that vision. You know, are you going to be in a 70 floor store, robot coming in, then you saw your LED screen and things like that. I feel that a very important thing that if you want to do something, not an entrepreneur, a creator, you need to be very visionary. You must be able to imagine because nobody can paint the picture for you. I never, I, when I was young, I tried to paint picture for other people, but I realized it's hard because it doesn't come from inner. So my mentor always ch- uh, tell me about inner engineering. Go deep inside to look at the vision that you are really looking for, and that is basically your calling. So that is what I believe. So And that is always what I do. A very practical way, like I mentioned, vision the future, then connecting the dots from the past, using everything as a mind map, you will realize that that's actually your brain. But you paint it out in a, in, mm. in a very practical way to realize what are the percentage that you always think of, and there's a pattern in your past. And that will be the pattern in the future. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. <laughs>